When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Star Wars 7x7, episode 609. Today, we look at what lost stars can tell us about the post-Return of the Jedi galaxy in the Star Wars universe. Punch it, Chewie. Hi, this is Trisha Barr, author of Ultimate Star Wars and host of Fangirls Going Rogue. And you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey Rebel Rouser, welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host Alan Voivod, and of everything going on in the Star Wars universe right now, I think the thing that intrigues me the most at the moment is that 30-year gap in between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, and wondering what exactly went down in the galaxy, and how events developed over the course of those three decades to have us arrive at the world that we see in The Force Awakens. And so far, we don't have a lot of sources of information about it. I guess you could say The Force Awakens novelization would help, as well as The Force Awakens Visual Dictionary, the book Star Wars Aftermath, and, of course, Lost Stars gives us a bit of it as well. And thankfully, we have two more novels coming this year that will give us more of that space, that, of course, being Star Wars Life Debt, the second novel in the Aftermath trilogy, and Bloodline by Claudia Gray, the author of Lost Stars. Oh yeah, we also have Shattered Empire in the comics as well. Forgot about that for a second. But let's talk about what Lost Stars tells us about the post-Return of the Jedi galaxy. Now, after the Battle of Endor, the Imperial Starfleet is trying to regroup, but various people are declaring themselves as emperors, and they all have factions of the Empire under their control, so there's basically a civil war inside the Imperial forces, and nobody knows who's going to come out on top, at least that's how things begin. There's mention made of the Noat sector being shut off completely, and that refers back to Star Wars Uprising, the mobile app game that came out a little while ago, and also gets name checked inside the Cloud City situation in Star Wars Aftermath, one of those little uh, aside stories that they threw in there. And Masa Meda, who is the Grand Vizier, who you might remember from the prequel trilogy, serving Chancellor Valorum and then Chancellor Palpatine, he became the absolute deputy to Emperor Palpatine and then tried to hold things together supposedly after all the stuff went down at Endor, but is having trouble doing that. That's the last that we hear about him. We also find out that in the year following the Battle of Endor, Imperial forces, Imperial remnants, whatever you want to call it, have focused on Naboo as a rallying point and have tried on three separate occasions to retake the planet, but that New Republic forces have beaten them back every time. As far as the New Republic goes, there's reference made to Mon Mothma and Leia Organa and a new person, Sondiv Sela, in trying to maintain control, but that its stability is still shaky, etc., etc. And there is a person named Corsella who is shown briefly 
in The Force Awakens, she was the resistance officer and a liaison of Princess Leia's to the New Republic, who was on Hosnian Prime when it was struck by the Starkiller base weapon. Presumably there is some relation there. She is supposed to be Corsella as the daughter of New Republic politicians, but we don't know exactly who those are. I would think Sondivsella is probably a logical guess. And as far as the big brushstrokes of what the New Republic has been doing in the first year, that includes, aside from military actions, the mass cleanup of polluted worlds and reparations to planets and species who were enslaved by the Empire, including Wookiees, apparently, because one character, Lagara, who is a Wookiee in Lost Stars, has received some sort of payment from the New Republic. And since Star Wars Aftermath takes place six months after Return of the Jedi, and Chewie and Han are just about to take off to go see what's going on on Kashyyyk, Kazook, sorry, whichever pronunciation is correct, uh, <laughs> we have to figure that the enslavement of the Wookiees was broken in between six months and one year after the Return of the Jedi space. In fact, I'm at the point where I feel like it would be really awesome to put together an everything we know about that 30 years so far podcast, article, some sort of collection of things, because I don't know if it exists exactly. There's been some I've seen here and there, but we're getting more information now, and it would be cool to see all this kind of laid out in a neat timeline. As for the Empire itself goes, or at least one remnant thereof, there's a group massing for an attack at Jakku where they intend to have a grand wipeout of the fledgling New Republic. And of course, it doesn't work that way, really. But there's a space station called the Wrath at a planet, Ponema, which is briefly mentioned in The Force Awakens, actually. So there's another little Force Awakens thing, I guess, for you. That's where Rey is going to drop off Finn and BB-8, so that way she can get back to Jakku to wait for her parents. And Jakku is supposed to be a jumping off point to head into the unknown regions where at the end of the novel, the remnants of the Imperial fleet, at least the part that took place in the Battle of Jakku and whatever is building up afterward, are hiding in a place called the Queluhan Nebula. And the Empire isn't supposed to be there because there's a treaty called the Galactic Concordance that has defined the boundaries where the Empire or its remnants are supposed to stay within the core and inner rim worlds under the command of a Grand Moff Rand, R-A-N-D-D, and no idea who that is aside from this mention in Lost Stars doesn't necessarily seem to be connected to the unidentified fleet admiral we see at the end of Star Wars Aftermath, so lots of mysteries still to unfold. Hey Rebel Rouser, you're listening to this podcast, maybe you'd like to listen to a Star Wars story too. Luckily we've got just the thing for you. We've partnered with Audible to give you a free download and a free 30-day trial of their awesome service. All you gotta do is go to audibletrial.com SW7X7 to sign up and get your free download. They've got dozens of Star Wars titles, anything you want to do to explore that galaxy far, far away. One more time for you, audibletrial.com SW7X7. All right, let's get a trivia question in here for you. Who might need this? Last time we asked you the name of the Star Destroyer that captured the Tantive Four at the very beginning of the original Star Wars, and that is the Devastator. Today's question, the lenses on Ray's goggles, where do they come from? Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you fall in love with a queen in disguise, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And if the show's been worth your time, please support us at patreon.com SW7x7. It's not a deep space angel, it's destiny unleashed.
podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2016 Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.